Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Clarifying Catholicism. Ordinarily, we explore theological topics, but in this series, we investigate the writings of, in my opinion, the most important little-known philosopher of the 20th century, Javier Zubiri. This is not a theological series at all whatsoever. However, if you want to do good theology, you'll need a good philosophical backbone first. So if you want to check out the rest of the episodes in this series, check the link in the description. Without further ado, on to the show. Up until now, we've been lumping human and animal apprehensions together. But as we all know, the way animals apprehend things is a bit different than how humans do. So it's time to draw some distinctions between what Zubiri calls apprehension of raw stimulation, or primordial apprehension, and the apprehension of reality, or ulterior apprehension. Remember that primordial apprehension is called primordial because it is the rawest form of apprehension we have. It happens as infants or even in the womb. These primordial apprehensions are apprehending pure, real content via affection, otherness, and force of imposition. Zubiri enjoys using the analogy of a constellation. For animals and young humans, each apprehension could be considered a star in the sky. In the primordial apprehension, you're jumping between stars, hunger, excitement, happy, sad. But you aren't exactly connecting them to each other. There is a second kind of apprehension, though. Ulterior apprehension, on the other hand, is unique to humans. It is not merely the apprehension of real content, though it certainly depends on the real content. Instead, ulterior apprehension is the apprehension of reality. Zubiri defines reality as something distinct from, something more than, the real content that animals and infants apprehend. Whereas real content deals with the content that stimulates animals of all species, Reality refers to the distinctly human way that this real content is formalized into an integrated perception. Thus, Zubiri defines reality as formalized content. And when I say formalized, I mean in the uniquely human way of interconnecting content to create an integrated perception. How is ulterior apprehension different from primordial apprehension? Let's dig in. Last episode, we talked about how primordial apprehension is structured by affection, otherness, and the force of imposition. Today, we will compare how primordial apprehension of real content is structured versus how ulterior apprehension of reality is structured. In the primordial apprehension of real content, affection is just stimulative response without a sense of relation to whatever provoked it. When the dog smells the steak, it is stimulated to feel something physically, but it does not draw a connection between itself and the stimulant. Or think of a baby that is hungry. The baby does not think to itself, I am hungry. It merely feels the hunger. Ulterior apprehension of reality, on the other hand, involves the apprehender instinctively taking an identity in relation to it. When an adult smells a steak and feels hungry, we instantly feel a sense of relationship to that sensation. We think, I am hungry. In the primordial apprehension of real content, the otherness that is experienced is a matter of distinguishing one sensation from others. This distinction, however, does not translate that sensation into an independent concept. That belongs to the ulterior apprehension of reality. 
in which otherness is hyperformalized. We call it that because the sensation that is distinguished is categorized as existing independently of the moment of that sensation. Okay, for example, a dog smelling steak clearly distinguishes that sensation of hunger from others, but it doesn't really abstract that sensation of hunger into an independent concept that can be applied to others. Humans, on the other hand, can abstract deliciousness from the steak that causes them to sense it. The human would say, this steak smells delicious, just like that pie I ate last night was delicious. Otherness for humans involves distinguishing things as existing independent from the moments in which we sense them. It's one thing to just feel hungry, it's another thing to say that the feeling of hunger exists as an independent concept. Finally, for the primordial apprehension of real content, the imposition of sensation is directly associated with whatever is impressed upon the animal. Dog cannot separate deliciousness from steak. Instead, it considers deliciousness and steak as one thing, delicious steak. Humans, on the other hand, can separate what is apprehended from the source of its apprehension. We know that the quality of deliciousness and steakness are two distinct concepts. Thus, we see how although humans and animals participate in responses to raw stimuli, or primordial apprehension of real content, only humans can participate in formalizing that real content into the constellation that we know as reality. Notice how Zubiri explains differences between animal primordial apprehensions and human ulterior apprehensions via biological and neurological language. This is because, according to Zubiri, reality is a concrete, physical structure, and he accuses ancient and modern philosophers of having reduced reality to some far-off mystical spiritual realm, or some psychological construct that is all in your head, respectively. Zubiri says that the greatest mistake classical philosophers made was to ignore primordial apprehension in favor of ulterior apprehension as the prime location and cause of reality. Allow me to explain. For Zubiri, our raw stimulation informs what and how we organize things into reality. For classical philosophers, however, raw physical stimulation has nothing to do with how we organize reality, since reality is a static and fixed spiritual realm that is accessed via the soul, not sensation. The soul's job is to determine what raw sensations are real, meaning they correspond with divine, universal forms of sensed things. The almighty soul judges lowly physical sensation. This is problematic for several reasons. First, a considerable amount of our apprehensions are not the result of the intellect judging. Rather, they come from pure sensation. Consider how a significant amount of how we perceive the world comes from when we are babies and small children. We have not yet gained intellective capabilities and are instead formed by a significant amount of pure sensation. Even the dietary habits of our mothers while we are in the womb greatly shapes how we later conceive reality. Thus, it is primordial apprehension, which deals with real content all around us, that is the cornerstone of reality, not some mystical realm of the soul. This means a few things, according to Zubiri. The first is, the way reality is formed is dependent on the real content that shapes it. But this would only really work if the organ that deals with shaping reality was also physical. This is the intellect, 
And while classical philosophers believed the intellect to be a strictly spiritual part of a human being, Zubiri understands the intellect as a thing belonging to physical organs, just as sight belongs to the eye. And because the intellect is physical, it can be shaped over time. Just as a mother's diet can impact the intelligence of her baby, or just as dropping your cousin down a flight of stairs can make him a bit kooky, thanks Raoul, the intellect, as a physical organ, is shaped by our other physical organs and other physical things. Thus, rather than the spiritual intellect dominating the physical material, it is the physical material that shapes the intellect, which is also physical. It used to be believed that the difference between human and animal knowledge was a matter of humans having superior souls. We now know that the difference in organs between humans and animals, especially the neurological ones, is responsible for differences in how real content is engaged with. Does a soul exist? This isn't really the inquiry of Zubiri's work, though he is Catholic. However, while ancient scientists assumed that the soul was the control panel of the intelligence, we now know that our brain structure, our hormones, and our neurological chemicals can explain some aspects of human thought and perception. Before we had such an understanding of these things in our body, ancient scientists and philosophers had to fill in the gap in understanding about nature with the soul. This all helps Zubiri craft a systematic philosophy that radically unites body and intellect so that our sentience and intelligence shape each other. No longer is intelligence some extrinsic soul, nor is it some hyper-rational megamind that towers over the material realm. Rather, it is a physical activity just as sight, taste, touch, smell, etc. are physical activities too. Speaking of which, for centuries, classical philosophers insisted on a strict division between functions of the body and functions of the soul. Modern philosophers did no better, insisting on a strict division between body and mind. For Zubiri, the unity between body and intellect is so strong that their functions cannot be separated. Hence, Zubiri categorizes the so-called spiritual or psychological senses as physical ones as well. These senses include our sense of towards, or what some might call a sense of direction, kinesthesia, temperament, affectant, position, coesthesia. All of these senses are physical, and we will address each of them starting with the most important one. Towards, or what some might call a sense of direction, is the most important of all the senses in Zubiri's analysis of reality. You see, humans can not only taste, see, hear, smell, and touch things, but unlike animals, we can relate things to each other. This is because things have what Zubiri calls transcendentality, meaning their qualities are not restricted to those objects. Something about the deliciousness of the steak makes it possible to feel that same deliciousness in something like a cherry pie. That transcendentality is directed by our sense of towards, it is the towards that takes that steak that we smell and directs it at other things in the world. The sense of towards is how we can say, all steak is delicious, or steak and apple pie is delicious. In classical philosophy, the notion that things behave a certain way and relate to each other is called teleology, and the director of that teleology existed in the realm of souls. For Zubiri though, the director of this sense of towards are our physical organs. Now, this sense of towards is not strictly a psychological construct, as many of the existentialists would claim. 
They would say that we have the freedom to define anything the way we want to. Zubiri disagrees. Our sense of towards is not self-determined. It is dependent on the same real content that shapes the way all creatures, from animals to infants to adults, apprehend the world. Basically, it is the physical world that shapes my physical sense of smell and my physical sense of towards. So I can't just determine what things are by pulling them out of a hat. I am radically dependent on the real world. There are other senses as well that are directed by the towards, though they are less relevant to our study. Kinesthesia is an awareness of towards. Not only is our apprehension of the stake directed towards other things, but we are self-aware of the towardsness or direction. It's basically self-awareness. We also have a sense of temperance, which is if things are hot and cold. Affectant, which is the sense of pain and pleasure. Position, which is a sense of orientation. And coesthesia, which is a sense of intimacy with reality. Again, without a sense of towards, we would just be stuck in the realm of apprehension of stimulation with the other animals. Our senses would just be jumbles of stimulated reactions to apprehensions rather than connecting and relating them with each other. But because all of our senses are so diverse and shaped by our environments, there are discrepancies between how people hyperformalize the content from the real. This is how there can be different opinions whilst sharing some commonalities. While we might share a sense of towards, our other physical senses are so diverse that they often conflict with each other. Okay, we're almost there. Ulterior apprehension has two modes. The first is called field mode. When ulterior apprehension occurs, the apprehension is nested in an already existing field of apprehensions and impacts that field. Think of it like how magnetic fields can affect each other. In basic terms, imagine putting a magnet in a group of other magnets that are already there. How that singular magnet behaves will depend on the magnets that are already there. But the magnet's characteristics will also affect the magnets that are around it. Basically, field mode allows for singular apprehensions to be affected by reality, but reality is also affected by those singular apprehensions. Let's look at an example. Let's say you've already primordially apprehended tree. You see a tree, and via ulterior apprehension, you connect the color of its leaves to your pre-existing apprehension of green. You place green in relation to tree in your field, interconnecting to them, which allows you to say, tree is green. The second mode of ulterior apprehension is called world mode, which enables us to think of a thing as a singular moment of the world. For example, if you say a forest is made up of trees and a forest is green, we aren't talking about two different forests. Rather, both apprehensions are united in that singular moment of the world. All things as moments of the world have the capacity to extend themselves far beyond the field, meaning they can have unlimited connections to other things whilst retaining their unity. Okay, we've covered a lot of ground. Basically, there are two kinds of apprehensions. There is apprehension of mere stimulation, also known as primordial apprehension, which both animals and humans participate in and concern how we react to immediate sensation. Then there is apprehension of reality, or ulterior apprehension, which is exclusive to how humans apprehend reality, since it allows us to connect different things we apprehend. The quality of things that allow us to interrelate them in the first place is called transcendentality. However, not everything comes from the same content, and things can be sensed in different ways. The content of a stake is different from the content of a brick, so even though both are real, there is difference between them. 
Also, only seeing a steak, for example, delivers very different formalization than only smelling one does. But there is one single sense, our sense of towards, that allows for us to experience transcendentality. It lets us connect all our diverse senses and the diverse content from the real. This is how we can say that some things are similar to each other and some things are different. When we place things among each other in the field of reality, in which they are referenced to each other, ulterior apprehension is functioning in field mode. When we talk about things as entities among other entities, ulterior apprehension is functioning in its world mode. Now, there are two kinds of ulterior apprehension, logos and reason. We will talk about the first one of those next episode. Until then, have a great day. God bless you.